Hello and welcome to Leviathan News. I'm Samuel McCullough and I'm joined by my uh, permanent co-host, Rex. And today uh, we have on two guests. We have Dan Smith and we have Drake as well too. Drake, I don't know your last name, What's but guys? welcome guys to uh, the first episode of, the, the, of your guys' uh, live stream for Leviathan News. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, Dude, It's an honor to be here. Thank you. So jumping straight in, this is what we were talking about in the pre-show, was that Circle announced the launch of the CCTP, or Cross-Chain Transfer Protocol, which enables USDC to flow natively across blockchains. What do you guys think about this? For no, me, I mean, I think this... Well, we, we were talking about this in the, in the before yeah. show. <laughs> like, is, what, what does this bridge mean for Circle, and, and is it going to be truly disruptive? Drake, go ahead. All right. So for me, uh, I, I think it's bullish for uh, Circle as a company. Uh, it's just more uh, revenue stream and it also allows them to control their reputation because uh, using uh, third party bridges, if there is a hack on there and someone sees, oh, USDC was hacked. Well, people are like, wait, USDC. And sometimes they don't look into the details and they're like, oh, USD was hacked on the multi-chain bridge or something like that. And people don't look into those details. They just go off first sight and they're like, okay, I'm selling my USDC and grabbing something else. That's the first thing. Second is they have additional revenue stream. Um, we were kind of discussing about it uh, behind um, about the uh, revenue they can generate from the bridges uh, and potentially getting into the bridging business, like you were saying. Um, I, I think, I mean, instead of just only keeping in uh, USDC, I mean, you already built the rails, might as well take on everything else and allow people to mm -hmm. transfer others and undercut everyone's prices. I mean, it's just the nature of the beast. Uh, most of these bridge fees are going to uh, trend to zero, just like swap fees. Those, those are going to trend to zero, like we see in the stock market to trade stocks, it's zero. So just something to keep in mind. I would say another, like a third point to that is even just a UX improvement to users, right? This is something Circle cares deeply about. And it's never been really a problem on Ethereum so much. Uh, just get, granted, that was kind of the, the natural launching point for all of DeFi. Uh, but the further out on the risk curve you move to some of these other L1s and L2s even, you know, you get over there and try to buy USDC on a, on a, on a DEX and there's three or four representations of USDC like from these different bridging solutions. So um, as... I know Circle cares deeply about kind of making that more cohesive, and this is a great way to do that, right? There's one way to natively burn and mint uh, USDC on every chain. Uh, so this is a huge unlock for the user, for Circle, uh, and really for the industry as a whole, right? We've seen, you know, if you pull up the DeFi Llama hacks page, how many of those are related to bridges if you sort by, uh, you know, largest hack size? Uh, you tend to see most of them at the top of that list. And this is just a great way to kind of firm up the, the security of cross-chain infrastructure. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, what I'll be interested to see is how it gets integrated into existing apps, right? So what Circle's released so far is just a, a few lines of code that any app or protocol or anybody can integrate into uh, their website. And it allows for these uh, cross-chain transfers. Right now, it's just between Ethereum and Avalanche, but uh, many more chains are coming soon. Yeah, I mean, I think, look, bottom line is, like, if you trust USDC, you are explicitly trusting Circle. And like, that's great and fine on Ethereum, but like to get anywhere else, like what it means is first you're trusting Circle, then you're trusting Ethereum, and then you're trusting your bridging provider, right? And like the best example of that, wormhole, right? Because that shows you what happens when something happens to the bridge, like the entire asset class on, in this case, Solana, 
like goes to zero. And so mm-hmm. like what, what Circle's doing is saying like, look, we're, we're taking out a link in that trust chain. We're replacing it with ourselves who you already trust. And like, <laughs> it, I mean, it, it's just perfect, right? Like USDC can like now freeze USDC on other chains, like if needed for law enforcement purposes or other. And then, you know, we can have decentralized stables if that's something you're afraid about. But like, this is just how USDC becomes, um, you know, like a sovereign stable coin. And by sovereign, I mean, like has control of itself. Yeah. And the interesting thing about the circle thing is, is will it, it's going to be integrated into other bridges. So uh, Multicoin and the other ones, they don't have to do anything except integrate new code. And now they can offer this this cheaper product to their users <laughs> in a, uh, a very seamless way. Uh, another thing that happened yesterday was that the Llama Risk team issued a, a scathing report of tangible finance. And they actually recommended killing the curve gauges. And the reason for this was, well, there's a bunch of reasons. But tangible is a, a real-world asset uh NFT providers, so you could uh, NFT your house or NFT art or gold or really anything. And then uh, you could borrow against it uh, with this USDR. And the uh, USDR would also receive, actually, n- not for borrowing, sorry. The USDCR is a stable coin that uh, is issued against the um, these NFTs, and it receives a interest rate that is being charged uh, against the loans. In this case, it's about 8%. And it's the Llama team called it a very interesting product. But uh, there was a lot of issues with uh, the team controlling all the contracts, the assets, custody of all the RWAs. And if the team just kind of vanished and disappeared, uh, the DAO wouldn't be able to exercise any liquidation of those RWAs itself. It'd be stuck in bankruptcy for a long, long time. And that in itself is a big enough risk to the curve protocol that they axed or that they essentially like called for the axing of the, uh, uh, the rewards and uh, putting it in a special risk category until they're able to fix their issues. I actually talked to the Tangible team yesterday. Uh, they said that they had been working with the uh, Llama Risk team for a while and that they were working to update the protocol based on the recommendations from the uh, risk assessment team. Yeah, think about this. This seems like a little um, kind of out of left field for me and like a little bit like picking winners and losers based on like, I don't know. I think this is something we should be welcoming, right? <laughs> Uh, you know, at the end of the day, the crypto risk team has a duty to uphold the uh, liquidity and safety of the curve protocol. And, um, you know, their influence, and especially in, in receiving a gauge as well, too, it drives liquidity in. And you might have people who may not have done all of this back work and looked into uh, the code and who's controlling it and what happens if there was any issues. So um, it definitely but, go. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't. I mean, well, where was the Llama Risk team for UST or for uh, uh, whatever the Doquan thing was called? Oh, it's there. I mean, you can go and read it. I mean, it's there. Uh, I think they they probably did they say like they should remove their gauge because like this is like controlled by one maniacal guy who like is Luna into. No, it would be the opposite, right? Where everything is on, or essentially everything should be on change, and um, that. you know, we, we should be able to see everything that's happening. And look, I'm, I'm reading the terror thing now. The, the Lummeris team said the algorithmic nature of USTs pegged at USD adds significant risk to the asset. However, it's un- important to note that the that effectively the entire terror ecosystem and its users are incentivized to migrate risk associated with UST. The UST UST peg is so important. It is practically written into the code of the core protocol. And uh, <laughs> maybe that's a blind sight, right? 
Yeah, I think you could almost argue that the entire industry fell victim to what uh, it sounds like the Llama Risk team did as well, right? Like, we but let that thing get way too big for way too long. I think they're, they're okay, so the Llama Risk team has like three questions that they're answering, or, or four in this case for the uh, tangible one. The first one is, is it possible for a single entity to rug its users? Uh, if the Which team is like managed, 99% of all protocols right now. And especially with like RWAs as well, too. I mean, that's that was a big issue with tangible was that it's an RWA platform. And that uh, if the team disappeared, it'd be, you know, they'd essentially, you know, it'd be in limbo, yeah, but right? That's like so legally. true of every protocol, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I, I was going to say, I mean, it seems like this can happen, like, not just um, in general, like uh, for UST or uh, for the, I'm, I'm trying to uh, think of the other stable coin, uh, not USDR. Um, there's another one that just completely failed. It was like base cash or something. Yeah, basis, um, yes. yeah, there's a yeah. Lot of, but I mean, the, the point is, is like, there's there's additional risk um, in in DeFi and in crypto. And I mean, if you look at some of the pools on Curve, like, do you guys think STETH is risky? Of course, of course, it has risks. I mean, they all do. I mean, I think, I think the, the question, I think, I think the question is that the uh, Lomarus team is trying to answer is like, in, you know, I don't think they want to. Uh, use the DAO's powers because the DAO should be unincorporated uh, this like entity right that just kind of exists uh, I don't think they want to have to like vote to pay some legal uh, firm to go out and like sue these companies in case anything happens and that like I don't know it just it just yeah, is more, yeah, is more I, complicated I can see the argument for that I can see yes. that yeah. yeah, I mean, ultimately, you know, I think the Lama Risk team's goal is to make recommendations to the DAO that best benefit the protocol. And uh, emissions are a precious thing. And if you need to be directing them from the mindset of the protocol, you need to be directing them to uh, the assets that will attract the most volume because volume is ultimately what returns fees to the protocol. So I, th I think the allocation of emissions is important and the, as the protocol or and as a you know if you're a vecrv holder or voter uh you should care where those emissions are flowing exactly so uh another person or another company that's entering into the stablecoin space is uh visa and the head of their crypto department uh i'm gonna say his name wrong it's like kui or kui like it's cuy and i'm not i'm not sure how to pronounce that but it's uh mr sheffield the uh, the head of the crypto department announced that they have a, a very ambitious crypto product roadmap at Visa, and that they're hiring some senior software engineers to to help drive mainstream adoption of public blockchain networks and stablecoin payments. I'm gonna throw this guys to you. What do you think about Visa entering the stablecoin space or crypto and stablecoin space? Great, uh, you know, more big players that like actually run our society that are using our technology is good. Like I encourage PayPal to get more involved. I encourage Visa, I encourage MasterCard. And like, <laughs> you can do it now or you can do it in 10 years when all your competitors have already done it. So like choice is yours. I'm happy with what we're building. <laughs> yeah, it was, in my opinion, it was just inevitable. Um, all the, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure MasterCard is already integrated or at least uh, working on the back end, getting crypto integrated. It's, it's just, it's inevitable. It's cheaper. It's more efficient, and it's a better means. I mean, again. And by the um, way, on this show, we talk so much about the regulatory stuff. Like, I would really prefer Visa to be on our side of the line than the <laughs> like than just like saying, you know, crypto. We're fin. You know, finance needs to stay old. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Um, you you kind of want uh, the 
the big players to actually be on the same side as you because it's just inevitable they're going to be coming in and you either want them to play along with the games that we have or they're just going to uh, come in and make the rules. Uh, the whales, they make the rules. They control it. It's just like in the stock market. If we go down like a certain percent, mm-hmm. it cuts off. It's done. It, why? Because the whales are hurting. The little guys, it's like, whatever. Who cares? But there's something to keep in mind. Well, some other whales are making big news where Andre Crone, Crone announced that uh, Phantom has obtained a banking license and is launching a crypto-friendly bank. So with the, the death of Signature and Silvergate just a few weeks ago, Crone uh, entering the space with a new bank potentially could have big ripple effects for the crypto economy. I reached out to Crone yesterday and asked him for more information. He said there's not enough to uh, provide at this moment, but uh, once they have more information, he will uh, send it over to Leviathan News. Where? <laughs> Where's the bank? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who is who handed over that license is my first question. I mean, but if it's in like Oregon, great. If it's in like, you know, Nigeria, like, all right, well, good luck. <laughs> yep. Uh, so I don't know if you guys have seen, but the NFT market has been taking a beating. Well, at least the fees have been taking a beating recently. And with the launch of Blur, industry incumbents like OpenSea have taken a big hit to their uh, to their operating incomes. And this has been publicly revealed that yesterday, Tiger Global cut its valuation of OpenSea by 76% from its last uh, from its last round. And that would be from $13 billion down to $3 billion. Is this, uh, is this the end for OpenSea coming? Or are we just in a, a lull before the next NFT wave takes off? What do you guys think? I, I don't think it's the end. For NFTs, I mean, I, I just think it's just a lull. Um, I don't know about the valuations. Like, I don't really mess with that because uh, those are all reflexive. Um, bull market, everything's way overpriced. Bear market, things are still way overpriced. They're illiquid <laughs> JPEGs. Um, I mean, there are some that maybe like have some nostalgia and they have some staying power. But a lot of these, like you see random ones like Feet Picks. Um, Feet Picks is trading again and it's like, why? Why? Why are people paying a couple hundred bucks for it? Because some other greater fool is willing to pay a couple more hundred dollars for some feet picks. Now I can understand like a CryptoPunk or uh, I, maybe like a Board Ape um, as a uh, kind of like a acceptance into a group. Uh, because if you own a Board Ape and someone else owns a Board Ape, it's basically like, hey, look, this is my entry ticket. I can be a part of this group. It's the same thing with CryptoPunks, and a lot of people are. Uh, there's a lot of money on chain and some people that are like, Hey, I got a million ETH. I want to flex a different way. They can do that with like a board ape. So it's just one of those things. That's like, it's a, a digital flex. Now feet picks and all these other <laughs> things pumping that that's just speculation. And it's, it's a Ponzi greater fool theory. <laughs> Coming back to the open seat thing. Uh, Blur has put a lot of pressure on their uh, revenues over the past several months since they launched. Um, I, is, is OpenSea going to be able to compete with Blur on some level at the professional level? Because one thing that Blur did was, was steal most of the professional trading volume away from OpenSea and left them with the dwindling retail uh, revenues and volume that they have. I don't look, when I say that, first of all, Tiger Global, that's one firm cut their valuation by that much. 
Um, like that's based on their internal things and like their internal accounting. But when I see 76%, my first thought goes to, okay, Ethereum basically got up to 5k and it went down to basically 1k. So that's like 80%. Like, I don't know, this tracks to me. Right. <laughs> and so I, I don't really see this as like a big deal. I just see this as like what we saw with literally every other, like, representation of equity in this space over the last year and um i don't know like between you and me if you could offer me similar equity and open c versus blur i would take open c in a heartbeat like I, it like yes blur is like the sexy thing now and is getting professional trading volume we can talk about what that means but um like this is a cyclical a cyclical market and like OpenSea has like first mover advantage and has like so much more brand name recognition and trust and like firepower. Um, like to count them out right now is to me similar to counting Uniswap out right now. Yeah. Well, one company that we can count out is Dapper Labs, where they had tried to. Did you ever? Did you guys ever try NBA Top Shot? <laughs> yeah, I remember those things. Yeah. I remember them, but I didn't try it. Yeah, I, I, I was early to Top Shot. And, you know, they, in the beginning, they had a good idea, but they kind of flooded it with too much supply. Uh, but they just launched a new uh, a new game or a new card trading game called, um, what is this thing called? It's an NFL all day, uh, but it hasn't really seen success that the NBA Top Shot has. And you got to make actually... a different Ponzi, man. People already know the game. Well, they, you know, trading cards, trading cards should be popular as they are in real life. And uh, the idea that you're taking, you know, videos and turning it into uh, moments is interesting. At its uh, Zenith, NBA Top Shot generated sales revenues of $224 million in February 2021 uh, before plummeting to $47 million the next year. Still pretty good. Uh, yeah, but plummeting. then, yeah. <laughs> uh, but then by this year, uh, the sales had dropped to just $2.9 million, uh, which okay, is quite a fall off. <laughs> um, uh, is this new project on Flow as well? Yes. Yes, it is on Flow. So I uh, do need to state that uh, all the Dapper Labs projects are internally controlled. It's like a little wall garden uh, that is controlled by the Dapper Labs people on Flow. Uh, so all the IP stays there. They're not really transferable to, to ETH. They're not ERC-20s. Um, you kind of like stay on the, the website you're given. But maybe it's just marketing. Maybe the NBA people are just a little bit more uh, degenerate than the NFL people. I mean, it would make sense, right? <laughs> or at least makes sense to me. <laughs> um, I mean, I guess the timing of the release, right? Like PFP mm -hmm. NFTs and things of that nature just aren't hot in the depths of a bear market. Um, you know, personally, yeah, I'm more excited about like the evolution of, of, NF of NFTs as a whole, right? Like Solana is doing something cool with X and NFTs. That feels like an unlock that we really don't know what the the end goal looks like, but um, just excited for that next generation as well. Like the Cosmos, uh, you know, they were talking about the interchain scheduler or the idea of tokenizing block space. You know, you can love or hate that for a variety of different reasons, but one of the cool use cases there was uh, having the rights to order transactions in a specific block is obviously non-fungible, right? Every block is different. And they, they were going to use NFTs to signify ownership of those blocks, which, again, that's a super interesting use case for NFTs. Um, so, yeah, personally, I'm more excited about kind of the evolution of the technology uh, to see where that goes from there. Yeah, I, I think you're right about that. There's there's definitely a bunch of on-case use cases that we really haven't gotten to yet. And uh, tokenizing block space, I would very highly up on the list like if somebody can figure that out and do it well that's a that's a 
multi-billion dollar market right there. Um, yeah. Well, also, and just to get like a little less in the weeds, like what I'm super excited about is like using NFTs to provide real utility. And the thing that has me jazzed right now is this Llamas NFT thing that's associated with Curve. Because like, yeah, it's like the cool PFPs and like whatever. Right? Um, but but the whole shtick is that like your PFP can earn reputation and, um, you know, like mm -hmm. if you're there for releases, if you contribute to the project and like the, this, everything about crypto is like the idea comes so long before the technology. And we've been talking about how like PFPs and NFTs are like really going to be about digital reputation, but it's just like really, really cool to see this like actually manifesting and like in an organic way, not in a like... <laughs> open sea like this is your reputation nft <laughs> have you guys have you guys messed with any of the uh well gmx or uh, mummy finance or any of the uh three three forks solidly forks have you messed with those mm -hmm. okay uh, so yeah define yeah. best <laughs> yeah no <laughs> no well, every well i mean this is in my opinion what these nfts can be used for where they actually have real utility uh, paint swap mm -hmm. is a nft marketplace on phantom ve equal is like their number one uh traded nft and then their third one is mummy finance and the reason for that is these are utility mm -hmm. nfts so they can boost mm -hmm. like multiplier points and then an example of like the ve33 nft uh you guys are familiar with locking on curve right yeah so with these solidly forks what they do is they have a liquid position so if I lock a thousand curve tokens, I now have this NFT worth a thousand tokens. I can sell this as an NFT. So I'm actually liquid. Whereas with when you lock with curve, you're done. You're roasted. You, you got to wait four years. But with this NFT, if you like want to rage quit, you can at least sell this NFT for a discount. But this NFT is also a rev revenue generating um, NFT. It gets bribes and it also gets fees from the decks from the different pools that you vote on. So that's what I see the future of NFTs, uh, something that actually provides utility um, in merging NFTs and DeFi. And of course, you're still going to have those NFTs that have the, um, the, the value of uh, being in sort like acceptance in a club. I'm trying to think of the exact word for it, but it's basically just like, hey, you got a CryptoPunk? Oh, you're loaded. You're rich. It's, it's that type of thing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, even going into a bull market, regardless, uh, in a bear market, it doesn't matter what type of market, you're always going to have these NFT platforms, just like you have the altcoins and like these uh, Pepe coins and uh, Wojak and Gensler. Uh, you're going to have the same thing for NFTs. All these different NFTs are going to have a bunch of these uh, different derivatives of greater fool theory, like, hey, buy this because it's going to go up. And eventually people are going to get left holding with bags. It's just the nature of the beast. Um, that's always going to be there. Town? People are always going to gamble. Huh? You're talking about no. Goblin Town, right? No, guys. I remember related. Goblin Town. Goblin <laughs> yeah. Town was good, man. There is, the, there is only one NFT collection, and those are Miladies. And yeah, so... Yeah. <laughs> it's potatoes. It's potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, question, for, question for all of you. Did any of you have any money that was uh, affected by the Euler hack? I lucky enough did not as well. Some people had a lot, and also a lot of protocols had exposure as well, too. One of those, which was Angle, uh, which is the issuer of AG Euro. Uh, has... I was going to make that comment on the curve pool. Yeah. So they got they got racked quite hard uh, from, the, from the Euler hack, and uh, they actually announced today that they are reopening. 
So funds are going to be redeemable and uh, swapped to stables. Uh, AG Euro is going back to PEG. And soon they're going to be restarting angle incentives and opening up their borrow modules. So great to see them bouncing back. Uh, this doesn't usually happen after these big hacks like this. But uh, for them, it's, it's a nice, uh, it's good to be back. <laughs> Didn't they, weren't they able to get the funds back from the hacker? The dude's yeah. name was like Jason or something. And they were like, yeah, he actually profited because he sold some of the stables into um, Ethan. Yeah. Ethan ended up pumping. <laughs> so they're like, I don't know. It was just a joke. But um, I, I thought it was kind of funny uh, when they were talking about that, the memes on Twitter. Yeah, I, I think um, there, there's like a whole very story about the hack and then whatever i would love to hear just like whatever happened like did the guy realize he was about to get caught and then like was able to talk out of it or did he have a change of heart or like did he not even mean to do it like i have no idea that let's sam let's try to get him on but um i i think I, the others didn't he, the didn't others he how much did he okay. how much did he steal it was like 150 million dollars um, yeah, I mean, all I know is, is in the hundreds of millions. Um, I don't really remember the details of this. But anyway, the, the other interesting story is, is about Angle. And like, one, there's this whole thing about like how your choice in partner protocols like affects your, it has existential risk to you. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other, which is like still the story that is to be told is like, can they recover from this? Um, and like, I, I, you know, I don't have any need to like have Euro exposure. So I, I <laughs> never even thought about it. But like, you know, it does like make you think about using these protocols where like you might see like that everybody does everything right. But like I'm much more interested in using Circle that is just like a single party minting and redeeming on one chain as opposed to this like really deeply integrated, like complicated um, DeFi ecosystem. Yes. So the angle... The angle story is still developing. We will keep you up to date. Um, I am looking forward to actually seeing if a Euro stablecoin can actually make a dent in, in crypto trading volumes. Right now, I believe over 95% of all volumes are USDC and USDT or some form of, of dollar coin. Um, maybe we just don't like the Euro. Maybe we, maybe people don't want to hold Euros. They only want dollars. I think this will be a big story for like an over, overarching narrative for the next five to 10 years. That's definitely yeah. true in the last three years, right? So that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I think uh, even just the ETH USDC pair on Uniswap V3 uh, is over 45% of their the entire protocol's volume. It'd be like super interesting if like a, a, a Euro ETH pair started eating into that. So I'm looking at Curve right now, and the largest, or largest Euro pair is USDC EURS, E-U-R-S which has $30 million of TVL in it. And it does about $300,000 million or, sorry, $300, of, uh, of volume a day. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> Mostly okay. USDC, though. Mostly USDC. Um, I mean, look, the real question is, like, you just have to look at, like, global trade flows and see how much are dollarized and then how much are, are euroized and then see, like, how, if we expect that to be, like, eventually converge to the real world thing or if there's like technology or like cultural reasons that that's not going to happen mm -hmm. yeah i think i think the biggest thing for the euros at least is you really can't do much of it or use much of it in DeFi. um like you don't you, i mean you can go on ave and lend against it but you can't like uh, go in you can go into the lp pools but you aren't going to generate as much if mm -hmm. you use like usdc i just 
think it, it's not traded as much. And if people are looking to speculate on uh, like Forex, for example, if people are trying to trade the dollar against the euro, people are going to use um, a protocol like synthetics for that. Uh, it, like if or, they're wanting to take advantage of that and use leverage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or if you're doing traditional trades, you're probably just doing it in traditional finance. <laughs> yeah, yes. that's true. <laughs> Uh, so uh, to wrap it up for today, there's a ton more macro stuff that we that we want to cover, but uh, you know today we're just going to stick to mostly on-chain stuff. Uh, the last story that we're going to cover for today is uh, Ethereum inflows into staking have topped a billion dollars. That is just incredible. Uh, over the last week, more than 570,000 Ethereum was deposited uh, into the staking contract, uh, which is a new high since Chappelle was released. Is this is this just to be expected? Or is this going to be the new norm as we trend up from, I believe we were what, at like 11 to 12% all the way up to, I would like to see East staking get up to 40 to 50%. What do you guys think? Um, I, I don't, th I think like at the end of the day, what we all want, whether we're the protocol or like hodlers or like whatever, is we want the most ETH possible locked out of the tradable market. And like part of that, a huge part of that is ETH staking and like ETH security. But we get like similar effects both on the like price side and on the security side if ETH is locked into other channels, like whether that's um, lending or like uh, eigenlayer like type stuff or whatever. So for me, like what become what well, it, it's not necessarily like super important to me that like ETH is like shoved into the deposit contract but it's like just becomes important to me that eth becomes like a resource that is used for things and not just like a speculative trading asset and so like yes this is good but also like i, I you know the future is so much like more bright and varied than like eth going into staking yeah right? I, I i kind of agree with that i think it's more important though um like staking is good obviously for the network but when you have more tokens that are staked you run into volatility so the more uh that the eth token uh becomes locked up and staked the less liquidity that you have for the token itself so if someone is looking to sell or get out the volatility is going to be much more tremendous because there's less liquidity so um i think uh, I, I do agree with that, uh, that more staking is good, but I think there needs to be a, a point to where the tokens that are staked, they need to be more involved in DeFi and more of these liquidity pools. Because once they're into the liquidity pools and someone wants to get out, instead of unstaking, they simply just sell their wrap stake ETH or whatever mm -hmm. for USDC and get out and, and be out and it's fine. Um, and have that uh, aspect because if you have uh, fraction liquidity where most people are staking their uh, rat stake ETH or staking their ETH to get uh, rat stake or stake ETH, whatever you want to call it, um, and depositing into something like Aave, um, you now have less liquidity on chain. And an example of how uh, Aave, uh, where this actually hurt Aave, was with the curve token and uh, AV manipulating the market to where you now have the curve token um, not having enough liquidity because most of the tokens are staked and bad debt comes into Aave. So it, and so the big winners of all this have been the uh, LSD on-chain decentralized platforms. Uh, Lido is up 
uh, in the third. Well, actually, we'll do seven days. So over the past seven days, uh, the big winners have been uh, Rocket Pool and also Frax as well, too. Rocket Pool going up 13%, Frax going up uh, 8% over the past week. And uh, just huge shifts from the uh, centralized markets like Kraken and Coinbase into the decentralized alternatives. That's going to wrap it up for this uh, for today. Uh, went a little bit longer, but I think the conversation was really nice. Uh, Dan and Drake, thank you for coming on. Uh, first time guests, hopefully uh, not the last. And uh, Rex, always good to see you as well, too. Uh, you can see our uh, Twitter handles here. You know where to find us. Uh, we'll put the links in the show notes. Uh, the show notes will also have the list of stories that we talked about. Uh, I'm Samuel McCullough. Today is April 26, 2023. This is Leviathan News, and we will see you tomorrow. Cheers. Thank you.